You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, being joined by the publisher, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how was your flight back from, from the islands? I slept the whole way. I, I don't even remember. <laughs> I got a red eye home, and I'm not one that sleeps very easily. But after that weekend and that football game, I was uh, lights out. <laughs> I mean, I was probably awake on the plane for a good eight minutes combined on my two flights. <laughs> well, I can see you came back with a little bit of a tan. I mean, uh, your, your face is a little bit darker than usual, so that, that's a good sign. You, at least you got some good weather over there. Yeah, it was nice. I mean, it's uh, they call it bipolar weather there, where the rain will come in out of nowhere. It was raining on me when I landed, but it's basically just sun and a few clouds for the rest of the, the time I was there. Yeah, I, I, I can remember back when I uh, was there about 15, 16 years ago, and uh, all I can tell you is I'd love to go back again and, and spend some more time because knowing now what I know now, if I knew that back then, I, I would have tore up that island. I'm telling <laughs> you right now. But that being said, Fresno State comes away with a last second victory off the foot of Cesar Silva um, with just few seconds remaining in the game. Um you know, this was this was a, a must-win game for for the Bulldogs in order to keep their title hopes alive, and it, it just seemed like it was kind of a slugfest, typical fashion between Fresno State and Hawaii. I bet you were you were just all over the place over there in Hawaii, weren't you, Jackson? Yeah, you know, it, it felt at first Fresno State came out really strong. Um, they got an early touchdown on the board with that crazy trick play by Jalen Cropper throwing the pass, and then they stuffed Hawaii fourth down at their own 30-yard line and a uh, perfect opportunity for them to really jump on uh, UH. And they weren't able to take advantage there as Silva actually missed that field goal. And then, you know, I was reading the boards throughout the game and it was a lot of here we go, you know, kind of the same old, same old of the season. UH goes off for 24 points in the second quarter. No one's believing in the dogs. And I'm there in the stadium and the Hawaii team is, you know, as excited as they can be. It feels like the game's over going into halftime. And, and something changed throughout that break. It was all Bulldogs until the very final minutes of the second half where they just about let it go. But I was really impressed and surprised by the Bulldogs. I didn't think they were going to come away with that one, and I didn't think they were going to be able to, even though they gave up 38 points, they really flustered Hawaii's offense a bit and didn't let them get the, the types of plays they normally get. Well, I was taking a look at this game. I'm, I'm sitting here watching it. It was going back and forth, and I'm sitting there going, you know what? My prediction looks like it's going to come true. You know, <laughs> I, I had predicted Hawaii was going to come away with a victory because, you know, they get the advantage of being on the island, but I believe it was going to be a three-point victory. Ended up Fresno State coming away with a three-point victory. So, uh, you know, I was I was almost there. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take the bragging rights this week. So, But other than that, I mean, it was a very tough game. Um, had it not been for the spectacular play of, of Jalen Cropper all game long and Ronnie Rivers actually broke through and, and got loose this game, he was the one that was able to set up that last second field goal by simply running, uh, breaking off a 13-yard run uh, and then just falling down, uh, mm-hmm. allowing the Bulldogs to get that chance to get that last field goal uh, to win the game. And kind of, uh, it, I bet it was kind of exciting for you to watch this, especially when uh, Hawaii 
recovers the onside kick and then goes <laughs> down and scores it, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, once they... I mean, you hardly ever see onside kicks get recovered these days. I mean, hardly at all. But it's very, very rare, obviously. But you know, for them to do it, it just felt like you know, the, it's going to be another kind of Minnesota <laughs> game where Fresno State was one fourth down stop away from getting out there with the win, and then they don't get that stop. It goes into overtime, and the Bulldogs lose. I thought that was right where we were headed with this game. Uh, you know, once the UH got the ball back, I fully expected them to score pretty quickly, and they marched right down and did it. And then it came down to Jorge Reyna and this Fresno State offense to win the game, which hasn't gone well for the Bulldogs this season when that scenario has played out. And they kind of got over the hump on this one. Uh, Reyna uh, was able to get the ball down pretty, or downfield pretty quickly, a couple runs, a couple passes. And then, as you mentioned, Rivers kept it off with that quick run to really put them in a more manageable field goal position. And Silva, who had already missed two on the day, put one through and it's kind of a culmination of all the things that they hadn't done this season that they accomplished in the final minutes, and I was surprised they were able to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, it, it's it's exciting to watch, especially when it's against a rivalry team uh, like the the Hawaii uh, Warriors. Um, you know, the right now, I believe that's a uh, a six game stretch now that the Bulldogs have won it in Hawaii. Very unusual when it's usually going back and forth. Uh, between these two teams and right now Fresno State holds a a six game win streak on the island so that's a that's kind of an accomplishment in itself Uh, but also you know during this game Jalen Cropper being used in more fashion in more ways than normal and uh, ended up throwing that pass and if you go back and you take a look at that pass Jackson it was perfect. I mean, you a quarterback couldn't throw it any better than that, and it ended up landing right where it needed to be. Yeah, you know, going back and watching the film, I was I didn't realize how contested that throw was that Pope, Zane Pope, was there to catch it. And you know, when you watch it live, you, it kind of just feels like it was perfect, as in it was perfectly executed. But you watch the, the the video footage, and you realize how close that was to actually being defended by UH. If that throw wasn't perfect. Uh, the Bulldogs don't score on that possession, so or on that play at least. So, uh, a big one by Cropper. I mean, obviously he played some quarterback at Sanger, and that's something that Kirby Moore's brought up a little bit with his development. He says that he may have been a four-star receiver, but he played a lot of his high school days at quarter or at quarterback, and so he's not necessarily as polished as per se a, a receiver in his shoes might normally be. But there's no denying his all-around natural abilities and talent that just keeps being put on display week after week, even if it's uh, only for brief uh, moments in the course of the game. Now, not only did he have that chance to throw that, that touchdown pass, but he also broke another one of those end rounds loose and ran it, uh, I believe, 40-plus yards uh, past defenders, breaking tackles and, and getting into the end zone. So another another one of those plays where you know it shouldn't work because they've used the same play over and over and over all season but yet no one can stop it Uh, a little bit more of the same right Jackson yeah and that was a a big moment for the Bulldogs because they only had seven points at that time they were down 7-17 and with the blink of an eye Cropper goes for 53 yards in the score and it's a three-point game all of a sudden now that play basically got negated about 40 seconds later when Hawaii throws a 48-yard touchdown pass before halftime. Basically kind of canceled that out. But uh, for Cropper, I think it kind of boosted the offense a little bit. They really hadn't gotten much going since uh, their their first touch, I believe it was, of the game when they went 90 yards on nine plays and Cropper threw that touchdown. So uh, that was a little bit of spark, and perhaps that's what got them going in the third quarter too. 
Yeah, and and so Cropper, you know, provided that spark. Uh, but also another player that had a huge game was um, uh, Ronnie Rivers. Also had another big game in, in this one. He was able to actually get through and break free uh, on a on a long run. I believe it was forty plus yards. Uh, and if you look at the film, uh, it was a spectacular play. He just kind of it looked like he was you know playing dodgeball there for a couple of seconds, <laughs> and then he just turned on the afterburners and was gone. So, you know, Ronnie Rivers was actually able to kind of get things going. Um, so kudos to the offensive line uh, for, for kind of getting things uh, going there to allow Rivers to, to break free a little bit. How much of that was Rivers and how much of that was the offensive line uh, actually, you know, getting in there and getting their blocks? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, and most of those plays came after the Bulldogs even lost Matt Smith, their starting center and team captain. They bring in Tyrone Sampson, the redshirt freshman who's a four-star recruit coming out of high school in Michigan, finally getting his chance to shine, and the offense didn't seem to skip a beat with him in there. So that was encouraging because now you're at a point where you've already lost Muti, you didn't have Dante Bull in this game, then Smith goes down, and that's the majority of your starting offensive line, <laughs> a line that's replacing four starters from last year. So it's like you're wiping out seven guys over the course of two seasons that you don't have anymore, and yet the offensive line looked as good as they had all season over that stretch. So uh, very encouraging, and it makes you feel confident that this O-line still has it going, uh, even if they, they do have to go the rest of the season without both Muti and Smith. They seem to have figured things out as a group. Now it looks like Tyrone Sampson is going to uh, probably step into that role of uh, becoming the, the starting uh, center. Um, you know, it one that I've been kind of hoping to happen here for for some time ever since he came over was was to actually getting get involved uh, on the offensive line but it it, it seemed that his uh, development was kind of kind of being brought along very slowly uh, you think he you know now that he's gotten a chance to get in there you think he lets that position go Jackson he, you know he's gonna have to clutch it with both hands and <laughs> say this is gonna be mine now yeah well part of the thing is that I don't know if there's much depth behind him yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, even when the season was getting and getting underway before they ever played any games, you weren't sure if Matt Smith, a walk-on, uh, an undersized offensive lineman, was going to be good enough to to pull it off and play the center position. Uh, but he proved to be very capable of it. He earned a scholarship and uh, was able to let the Bulldogs develop Tyrone Sampson a little bit. Uh, Sampson, I've talked to him and both Coach Grubb, the offensive coordinator, and there I think there was a little bit of a a wake up period for him his first year. I think he thought he was going to come in and just dominate right away as a four star guy at a Mountain West school, and it didn't work out that way. It was, um, you know, it was a learning experience. He had he had to uh, figure things out as far as just adjusting to the college level, and it was a bigger adjustment period than he thought it was going to be. And something has kind of clicked for him over this last month. They were going to try to get him some snaps a couple of weeks ago, but. Again, Smith was playing so well, he became a team captain after Muti went down, and it was hard to make that change. But obviously with the injury, they were kind of forced into it, and it was just really critical timing that Samson has become the player they thought he was going to be. Yeah, it's 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 coming along right at the right time right now, especially with Matt Smith going down. Um, Samson's definitely going to have to step up, and it seems like he's been able to do that. Um, and so... Uh, it, you know, if he, as long as he can kind of bring that whole thing along, he should be doing very well. Um, and hopefully that will be the missing piece that the Bulldogs need in order to get this offensive line on track for the rest of the season. Now, with that win against Hawaii, 
that that right now helps the Bulldogs in in trying to get this ship in, headed in the right direction for another championship game. Uh, so you know, as long as they can take care of business this week against Utah State, they should uh, you know have a shot when they go into uh, San Diego to play the Aztecs. Kind of uh, the the same feel that you're you're feeling here, Jackson. Yeah, you know, it's there's a part of it that says yes, and there's a part of it that still says wait and see. I think we were feeling pretty similarly about the, this Bulldog team coming off the way they played against UNLV. Uh, it felt like that was kind of the win where they finally put everything together and they were going to take off from there. And obviously they took a step back the next week playing Colorado State. And it's kind of been, you know, a different team just about every week. Um, each end of the spectrum, it seems they're a different squad uh, for every four quarters they play. And so it wouldn't surprise me terribly if they go out and Utah State were to beat Fresno State, even though. You know, you look on paper, Fresno State should be the better team. They're the hotter team right now. They're the healthier team to an extent. The the Aggies just lost their star linebacker. Um, Jordan Love, their quarterback, has not been the star that he was last year. And just everything kind of lines up towards a Bulldog win. But I'd say the last two games have lined up for a Fresno State win against Colorado State and a Hawaii win over Fresno State, and the exact opposite played out. So uh, the Bulldogs are favored by five points. It's no guarantee, but... The timing does seem like it's optimal for Fresno State. They get a Utah State team that's a little bit down right now, and then they can head into San Diego State for a game that's kind of got everything on the line for it if the Bulldogs go in with back-to-back wins. And then they still have to take care of business with Nevada and San Jose State. The Spartans giving a really good test to Boise State last weekend, a surprising performance from them. They're obviously a lot better, so it's not quite guaranteed when you look at these next four games how it might play out, but... You feel a whole lot better about the Bulldogs after beating UH that it lines up where if they can get this win against Utah State, they'll go to San Diego State. It's a matchup they've matched up well with with the Aztecs the last two years, and you figure they'd have a fighting shot to win that game and really, really be in the driver's seat of the division. Yeah, as uh, as we were feeling last week, we you know we were thinking going into Hawaii, coming out with a loss. Uh, that the Bulldogs right now would just be trying to fight for a uh, a bowl a bowl spot, uh, you know, going in and and beating Hawaii, you know, you you get a better sense that hey they might still have a shot at this, but they still need to get through Utah State, <laughs> <laughs> and and that's not going to be an easy task even without their you know star quarterback uh, playing right now. So um, whether or not the Bulldogs take care of business, if they can come in here at Bulldog Stadium, take care of business against Utah State. That matchup against uh, San Diego, you can throw the records out. Uh, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't really matter. Those two teams do not like each other. Uh, So typically it turns out to be a kind of a slugfest back and forth. Uh, Although Fresno State has had the advantage the last couple of years, you know, it could be another one of those exciting matchups should the Bulldogs be able to get past Utah State. But... um, do the Bulldogs, you know, offensively right now, it seems like they're starting to gel at just the right time, especially when they're going to play against a Utah State team right now that's coming into Bulldog Stadium. Do you see that, the you know, we're going to see them continue to keep putting those pieces together this upcoming week? Yeah, you know, the, the offense for me has become, I think, maybe the strong point of this team in a lot of ways. I mean, even in the loss against Colorado State, they put up 31 points. That would have been enough to win most of their game, all the games last season, actually, if you look at the scores. But, um, you know, the, the offense is clicking. I, don't, I know a lot of 
there's a lot of hesitancy from the fan base towards the Jorge Reina still. Hopefully that game-winning drive that he led against Hawaii helped ease a little bit of those doubts. His, his numbers aren't particularly strong, but they have figured things out in the running game these last couple of weeks. Rivers has back-to-back 100-yard games. Uh, Reina almost ran for 100 yards himself last weekend. Uh, Cropper has, continues to pitch in there. Uh, it's just been a, a pretty solid offensive performance for the Bulldogs ever since uh, that second half against Air Force where they couldn't get anything going. Um, really, that's only been the, the half of football that the Bulldogs have really struggled offensively in Mountain West play. So for me, I, I'm feeling pretty good about the Bulldog O, but the defense still worries me a bit. Um, they were, again, I mean, this is a game like Minnesota where against the Golden Gophers, they were almost out of there giving up. 21 points I think in regulation and suddenly it gets real ugly there at the end Uh, same thing with Hawaii they had almost held them to 24 points which would have been a really solid showing instead the Rainbow Warriors get out of there with 38 which is not very good a very good look for the Bulldog defense so uh, I mean they've shown in spurts they can play pretty well now but they've got to put it together for four quarters and uh, Utah State's no exception. They've got some weapons on offense that can take advantage. Now, the problem with the Bulldogs this season so far is they have not looked good at, at all uh, at home. Uh, I mean, even the UNLV, UNLV game, probably the best game that they've been able to put together, it wasn't by all means perfect. Um, so the Bulldogs have struggled at home. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's... It's one thing. It seems like they go out on the on the road and they play completely different than they would play here at home, and they kind of struggle at home. So, uh, for the Bulldogs, do you think it'll be, it's going to be important for them to come out and come out fast to to help get this crowd going uh, at least to to stay in the game on this one? Uh, that would help. The last two games uh, they have not started fast at all. Um, against UNLV, it was a slow start coming off of the Air Force loss. They didn't seem to really have much mojo going for them until uh, the defense forced a bunch of turnovers, and then it was all Bulldogs from there. Uh, Colorado State was very similar in the fact that they were also trying to push the Bulldogs around early, and then they were getting points to go with it. Uh, very, I uh, believe, three touchdowns in the first quarter. They had over 200 yards within the first 15, 20 minutes of the game. It was a, a really ugly showing by the Bulldog defense, and uh, the offense wasn't particularly hot either to start the game. So. Uh, definitely quick start would help. It, I think it definitely bought them some time against Hawaii, even though it was only 7-0 for a while for the Bulldogs. Um, they, You saw they gave up 24 points in the second quarter. If you give up two touchdowns in the first quarter, there may not be no coming back from, uh, you're talking about 38 points, hypothetically, in the first half. You're not going to survive many games like that. So uh, they do... They have been playing a little bit of bend but don't break. They've been breaking a lot less uh, as they did last week. That was a very good thing. But uh, still, uh, it's not the same defense that we're accustomed to seeing for Fresno State the last two years. And it's going to make it just about every game, I think, pretty interesting. Yeah, especially that that game against Colorado State. You did see, uh, you know, they they essentially almost went down 21 nothing at one point <laughs> uh, early on in that game. And uh if the Bulldogs, what they need to do is they come, need to come out, put some points on the board, and really take control of the game, allowing the crowd to get get into this game. Because we all know when when the Fresno State crowd is in it, this place can get loud, just like any other place. Uh, but you know, for whatever reason, uh, it looks like the Bulldogs have been playing from behind quite often here at Bulldog Stadium, um, and it's not helping the situation or helping anything right now to help this crowd uh, just have something to cheer about. 
but um, if the Bulldogs continue to kind of evolve their offense like they have been, getting Cropper involved, uh, getting some of these other weapons uh, involved early, it should really kind of help open up the game. Uh, do you anticipate, you know, a lot more of Cropper? Uh, it seems like each week the playbook keeps getting bigger for him. So you, you anticipate yet even uh, more of a role in this game. Yeah, I would. you would think that logically that his performance <laughs> this past weekend would uh, open up more opportunities. And it felt like throughout the game it was like the more he kept doing well, the more that they were involving him. Uh, I mean, he was out there quite a bit even on the plays where the ball didn't go his way. Uh, I asked him after the game, what if, was there something about this matchup they liked that you got more opportunities? And he just said, I had a good week of practice. And so it's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, well, uh, so if he has a good week of practice this week, then maybe we'll see a lot more of him again. Um, you know, I, I would like to think that they've been trusting him. And it just seems like every time this kid touches the ball, good things happen. And it would be a no-brainer not to get him the ball even more. Yeah, and, and Reyna seemed to have uh, settled down quite a bit, um, you know, licking his we- wounds from the previous week. Um, I, I think, the, you know, he he's like the team. It's like Mr. Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde sometimes, depending on what went, the way the wind is blowing that day. Um, what, which kind of quarterback do you depend that you are thinking you're going to see and what, which one do you hope that you're going to see during this game? Yeah, and since the first few weeks, he has kind of reined things in a little bit. Um, the Colorado State interception there at the end was uh, unfortunate with the tipped ball. Uh, it kind of fit the narrative of what he's done over the season in a negative fashion, but I don't know how much of that you can put on him. It wasn't a perfect pass, but wasn't necessarily his fault. But I think he's become more more of a game manager over the last few weeks than the the gunslinger I think he wasn't intending to be the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, definitely become a little bit more conservative. He's not 100% perfect with his accuracy, but he's been, um, as far as completion percentage goes, typically has been uh, pretty solid there throughout the last few weeks. Um, you know, you're talking 63%. Last weekend, he went 60 or 70% against UNLV, 74 against Air Force, so... They're making it very manageable for him. He's taken what the defense has given him, and overall the offense has really started to flourish a bit. Uh, It hasn't necessarily been home run passes or spreading it out, throwing it around like we thought he might do, but uh, when the running game is picking things up, he doesn't necessarily have to do all that either. And then then if it comes down to a game-winning situation, then I think both he and the team feels more confident that they can get it done after proving it at UH last weekend. Now, looking at the defenses uh, uh, for Utah State, their defense, how does the Bulldogs match up, uh, especially like the run against their defense, the pass versus their defense? Where where do the where does Utah State kind of stand in uh, as far as defensively? Yeah, that's going to be a I'm really intrigued to see how this one plays out because Utah State runs a four-two-five defense and. Defense wasn't necessarily their strong suit last season. They were a very high-powered offensive team that won 11 games and was was ranked inside the top 20 for quite a few weeks. But uh, they've lost quite a bit of their defense from last season. And really, the there's three out of the four defensive linemen that are uh, going to be coming out of the Bulldogs. That's where they return starters. I believe they only have four, maybe five returning starters from last year's defense. And it's basically just the D-line. And they've got... Uh, three seniors and a junior that run that four-man front. 
very big guys, very experienced, and they're definitely going to try to establish their defense in the trenches. They've got not as much experience behind them. They lose their star linebacker. Uh, Woodward, uh, he's going down with the season-ending injury. He's not going to be available. That was basically the one guy they could rely on in the, the back seven. Just a tackling machine. Uh, they've got five defensive backs that are all under six feet. It's not a very big group. Um, you know, for me, it all comes down to the trenches there. If Fresno State, without at least two starters that are, are now out for the season, if they can manage things up front, they should be in a really good position to uh, take care of business otherwise against this Utah State defense. Yeah, so things uh, things should uh, get pretty interesting here coming into this game. You know, should the, the Bulldogs be able to kind of open things up, so to speak, against this Utah State defense. Um, but, off, uh, you know, defensively, the Bulldogs against Utah State, how do you see this matchup going here against the against Utah? Yeah, um, Utah State, again, uh, last year, a huge offensive team. This year, they haven't been so much. Uh, the biggest thing, just looking at the stats, has been their quarterback, Jordan Love, a uh, kid out of Bakersfield who became a sensation for Utah State last season. Uh, huge numbers um was just a you know a star as a sophomore last season 3567 yards 32 touchdowns six interceptions uh they put up over 50 points seven times over the course of the season last year and they just haven't been the same team this year right now he's sitting at nine touchdowns to 12 interceptions he has as many interceptions in these first eight games of the season as he did in his whole freshman and sophomore seasons and so obviously this Aggie offense isn't clicking the way they have in the past. And the other thing that's kind of going the Bulldogs' way is that Utah State and Fresno State play pretty similar styles of offense. Now the Aggies are going to be up-tempo. They do have that to them. They don't use the tight ends as much, but a lot of the basics are very similar, and I think it's one that, you know, it's not like preparing for the triple option. It's not like preparing for the run-and-shoot uh, it's basically what the Bulldog defense saw all throughout fall camp, and it shouldn't be too big of an adjustment to figure out what they how they have to stop this Utah State offense. So defensively, they kind of match up well against this uh, uh, Utah State team then. Um, but, you know, going into this one again, is it another must-win uh, game for the Bulldogs? You know, in order to keep the ball rolling, can they afford to drop this one and still make a run at that championship game? Uh, the only way, I mean, I, I believe they can actually drop this game if they beat San Diego State and then they get help from Hawaii beating San Diego State. Uh, if they all three have three losses, I believe the Bulldogs would be, get in based off head-to-head. -head. They would have beaten both uh, Hawaii and San Diego State, and they would be perfect against the West Division. So there's a scenario where it goes in their favor, but, uh, I mean, you don't want to put anything up to chance. And Fresno State right now has everything under, under their control. If they win these next four games, they are the West Division champs, and they're playing in the Mountain West title game. And so, in that perspective, yes, this is a must-win. And still, you know, the Bulldogs are only four and four. If they drop this one, you know, bowl eligibility becomes an issue. They'd have to win two <laughs> out of three to finish the season. And you know, frankly, there might be some trouble with the Mountain West getting everyone into a bowl game. And if you're at only at six wins, that might leave you at home if uh, there's not enough spots open across the bowl landscape. So. Definitely, you don't want to leave anything up to chance in that aspect either. So it's basically to make this season memorable in a positive way. They really need to win out as much as possible. Yeah. So there, it sounds like this year is going to be kind of interesting because you could be sick. You could have six wins and still stay at home. 
should uh, should all the spots get filled up quickly, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, it happened to Wyoming a couple of years back, and it can certainly happen again. Uh, if Boise State can, you know, with uh, SMU going down last weekend, uh, Boise State suddenly is not too far off from that uh, auto bid for the New Year's Six Bowl. So, uh, probably not the news Fresno State fans want to hear, but if that does work out, it makes things a little bit easier for the Mountain West to get everyone a bowl game. Um, you know, it's just kind of a weird deal. Sometimes you have five and seven teams that have to be pulled up to fill out all the bowls, and sometimes there's not enough for all the six-win teams. So it's kind of a wait and see, but the Mountain West has definitely uh, been stronger this season across the board. Yeah, you know, if the Bulldogs can uh, somehow make it back to the Las Vegas Bowl, it'll be another road trip for us, right, Jackson? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's uh, it's one of those where it's going to be kind of interesting going into the, the remainder of the season right now. Uh, should Boise State, you know, win out and, and, and some of those teams ahead of them and the, the polls drop off, we could very well see Boise State in another one of those New Year Six Bowls, uh, and really just help, uh, you know, help the Mountain West with an, a, a nice paycheck again, right, Jackson? Or, you know, or actually, Boise State, the way they they kind of got their contract with the Mountain West is they keep majority of that money now, don't they? Um, for the televised games at home, they do get a bigger chunk of that. I believe that's the biggest uh, loophole in the the conference contract, but. Uh, yeah, I would still be a little skeptical of this Boise State team, though. I don't think they're nearly as good as they were the past couple seasons. Uh, the one thing I thought they really had going for them this season was their defense, and they just gave up, I believe, 42 to San Jose State. Um, not quite the same Bronco <laughs> team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they get tripped up, but the good thing for them is that they uh, have the tiebreaker against Air Force because they played them very early in the season before the Falcons got on this hot streak. And I think that's going to buy them a loss through the rest of the season to continue to host the Mountain West title game most likely. But uh, a loss would certainly take them out of the New Year's Six running. Now, since we're already talking about some of these Mountain West teams, let's let's go ahead and do a, a around the Mountain West kind of a, a look real quick to see where everybody stands out, where everybody's shaking out to be. Boise State, we're, you know, since we've already on talking about them, Jackson, do you have you heard any news as far as their quarterback coming back anytime soon in order to to come back and help out this team? Yeah, you know, he came back last weekend, but he didn't quite look. Well, I mean, they they put up fifty two points, so it's hard to to blame that. But you know, he, even though they put up fifty two points, he only completed thirteen out of seventeen passes. He did go for two hundred and thirteen yards, zero touchdowns, and one interception. It's hard to believe they scored fifty two points with zero <laughs> passing touchdowns, but. Um, you know, they got six scores on the ground. Um, it's not a, a pass-heavy team right now. Definitely they weren't without him. And as a true freshman still, he's still coming along. But they're definitely better with him at quarterback. But um, a very different-looking Boise State team. And you know, we I don't ever remember a Bronco defense giving up 42 to a team like San Jose <laughs> State. So um, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt them eventually. But them air force probably still the the class of the conference right now and and you know you mentioned san jose state is this going to be a team that fresno state is going to have to worry about since they're going to have to travel to san jose to play them i would say definitely the way they're playing right now um they beat army on the road that's a game they don't usually get they get that kind of win they really should have won at nevada that was the 
I think the, they got the strongest version of the Wolfpack team before they really fell off the cliff there. <laughs> uh, kind of bad timing for them. They played San Diego State pretty tough, a 10-point loss at home, and then Boise State, a 10-point loss at home again. Uh, they definitely are explosive enough on offense to compete with just about anyone in the conference, and the way Fresno State's defense is playing, I think that does spell a bit of trouble. So, uh, I mean, even if the Bulldogs win these next two or three, uh, it's no guarantee that they finish out with the win at San Jose State either. Yeah, that's definitely going to be one that you're going to have to keep an eye on because that's, again, another rivalry game. And typically, those games, you can throw out the records. <laughs> mm. They usually do not do not matter a dang thing, and we know that, uh, in fact, because of you know when Derek Carr was here and went to San Jose, and they knocked off the Bulldogs. So, you know, whenever these two teams match up, you can pretty much throw the records out the door. Uh, um, and so that should be another one of those intriguing matchups later on. Anybody else that's kind of standing out to you maybe have an outside chance of doing something here? Well, the Mountain Division, um, that's really where kind of the, the top-heavy part of the conference is right now. Um, even Utah State, they're just 4-4 four and four on the season, but they are actually 3-1 um, and one in conference play. Wyoming is 3-1, and one, but they just lost quarterback Sean Chambers for the rest of the season, and that should basically eliminate their odds uh, and even Colorado State who uh, two weeks ago before they were coming into Bulldog Stadium they were two and five and one and two now they're four and five and three and two and kind of an interesting matchup last week where they played UNLV two common opponents uh, the Rams won 37 to 17 uh, it was a pretty easy win it looked like for them so you know, it seems like every time someone beats Fresno State they look better the following week than they were coming into that game I think uh, all four teams Fresno State have lost to won the following week, including um, USC beating Utah. I want to, or they beat Stanford and Utah the the following weeks after the Bulldogs lost to them. Minnesota is undefeated still. Air Force has been perfect just about since they beat the Bulldogs. So uh, maybe we may look back at some of those losses and and not fault Fresno State too much if they can continue to put together a strong season the rest of the way. All right. So, you know, that that pretty much does it going around the Mountain West as we can see things are, are starting to kind of the, the picture is still a little unclear, uh, but eventually they're, they'll start to open up uh, and we'll start to see who exactly uh, is going to land where uh, right now. There's quite a few teams that could still make it and be bowl eligible. Uh, but uh, that all depends on how the next couple of weeks uh, shake out. Uh, Fresno State needs to win the remainder of the games in order to get into the championship game, uh, but also need to at least win two more to become bowl eligible, I believe. Um, and even that doesn't guarantee that they will get a bowl. So things are going to have to kind of work themselves out, and the Bulldogs are just going to have to take care of business uh, the remaining games of the season. Uh, but another team of the Bulldogs that... Uh, just got things going. Uh, Fresno State's men's basketball team uh, had their first game this uh, a few days ago, uh, and they played. I believe it was here at home, right, Jackson? Uh, they went on the road. They took oh, on, on the road. Uh, number fourteen Oregon. So that was a, a rough way to start the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So against number fourteen Oregon, kind of a tall order, especially on the road to play a, a team of that caliber. Um, but you say that they had a hell of a time in this game, Jackson. Why don't you break it down for us? 
Yeah, so the Bulldogs are currently without Noah Blackwell, senior point guard, and that makes things even more difficult. Uh, it looks like he's going to miss about three games with a, a conduct issue. And this is a team that loses two star guards from last year in a wing, uh, Deshaun Taylor, Braxton Huggins, Sam Bittner. And so a lot's riding on three new seniors, and you don't have Williams. Uh, Nate Grimes, really the star of this team that's uh, anticipated, got into foul trouble early. They didn't have him much in the first half. And uh, New Williams, the other senior, uh, did not. He only put up two points in the first half. So this turned into a game where Fresno State was playing a ton of true freshmen, a ton of newcomers, a ton of players. Bulldog fans, if you haven't followed recruiting, you're probably not going to know who most of these guys are. But I think you're going to learn pretty fast. There was a lot of exciting moments. Uh, Nevin Hart, who had a really good game in the scrimmage or in the exhibition that the Bulldogs hosted last week, uh, he came out and knocked down two threes pretty early. He's got some hops and some really uh, raw talent, but I uh, was having a little trouble reining it in, probably let loose one too many shots there. Didn't see a whole lot of playing time in the second half. Uh, him, Jared Hyder, Anthony Holland, you're talking about three true freshmen that played uh, 16, 17, and 29 minutes respectively. A lot of game, game time for those three guys. Uh, true freshman Orlando Robinson, a six foot ten, two hundred and thirty five pound freshman forward, started this one, uh, five points and eight rebounds for him in his debut, and then uh, of course redshirt freshman Asan Juf, the seven foot two center, uh, got nine minutes, uh, showed the you know, he was playing a little more early, got into foul trouble and things got a little away from the Bulldogs where they needed to play catch up, so wasn't ideal for him, but he did look pretty solid in the minutes that he had. Um, you know, overall, just a lot of new pieces, a lot of new faces, and they actually they held in pretty tough for about 13, 14 minutes. They actually had the, a five-point lead at, in the later part of the first half, but it got away from them and it got away from them very quickly, and uh, Oregon started to look more like the number 14 team, and Fresno State looked more like a team with five freshmen out there for a lot of the time. And I, I came away with... Some promising outlooks on a lot of the young Fresno State Bulldogs, but also, um, you know, there's this team got a, got a ways to go to develop and come together. And as we saw in the second half, when Fresno State started to actually mount a little bit of a comeback, got back within nine points. Uh, Nate Grimes, when he's out there, this is a different team, and I think we're going to be able to say the same when Noah Blackwell comes back. And um, you know, a lot of room to grow, but hopefully those seniors will make it a little bit easier with this team. Now, once they they are able to kind of get things going and and kind of uh, you know start heading back here the the to the Save Mart Center, um, do you expect a lot out of this year's team, uh, especially with all the talent that's coming in? Uh, even though they struggled against Oregon, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not a good team. What do you think uh, their outlooks look on this season so far? Yeah, I mean, this freshman class is very talented, and I think they're well-deserving of the minutes that they played. Um, I think this season really comes down to can the three seniors be the kind of guys they need to carry this team. As we've seen with Grimes, when he's on the court, he can do it. If he's in foul trouble, it's going to be rough for this group. Again, Blackwell's not available, and that's going to make things difficult. New Williams, they've got to get a lot more out of him. He went 2-for-8 from the field, 0-for-6 from three-point range. Uh, that's not going to get this team over the top by any means. Uh, Mustafa Lawrence, who is a uh, Missouri State bounce back junior college transfer, he was ultimately the starting point guard, put up six points, but only shot one for six from the field. All three pointers, actually. Uh, he did have six assists. I think 
he's going to help bridge this team a little bit, but um, not quite what they needed from him either. Things are going to get a little more easier down the stretch and are coming up. And Sunday is going to be the first time to see the Bulldogs uh, this year's team in a real game at home in the Save Mart Center against Winthrop, who was uh, not the biggest name school, but has had quite a proud basketball program over the last couple of decades. And the Bulldogs are also going to honor Paul George at halftime with the Jersey retirement ceremony. So if you hadn't heard that, uh, you don't want to miss that. That's going to be a, of one of the few chances Paul George, uh, he, he helps a lot with the Bulldog program and is a very much of a representative of Fresno State. But when you're an NBA player, you don't get to come back to the Save Art Center very often. So this will be a rare shot to see him again in Fresno and honor him. And I imagine the Bulldogs are going to get a good crowd to come out for that game. And I think that'll be more of a, a good measuring stick to see where this team is at. I think... You know, even though they crumbled a bit against Oregon, I think the talent on this team is going to overpower some of these non-conference opponents that they've got, and we'll see if they can gel enough by the time Mountain West play hits. Yeah, so they definitely have a good outlook uh, on this season so far. Um, uh, hopefully, they can uh, make a run, make some noise in the Mountain West, uh, and and really, you know, overpower some of these teams. Like you said, as as long as they can kind of get all this put together. The, the Bulldogs should have a good season this uh, this season uh, for the men's basketball team. So if you haven't got a chance or, or you know, are th- on the fence about taking a look at this uh, men's basketball team, head on out. I'm pretty sure you're going to see some some good talent uh, on the on the young side, which is bodes well for the Bulldogs. Uh, that means they're you know, they've got some talent for. Uh, later on in the future, should all the players stick around, <laughs> you never know in basketball. Things change very quickly with basketball. Um, but if the Bulldogs are able to kind of hold on to some of that talent, uh, they should have a good team for the next couple of years or so. Um, but uh, Jackson, that being said, any other final thoughts before we start wrapping this one up? Uh, you know, just when it comes to recruiting, um, we're getting down to just two home games left. The Bulldogs should be doing their best to get some kids in the uh the stands there for uh, the last two home games and we'll have those reports on the premium board at bark board and um you know there's only uh, about a month and a half away from the early national signing day so it's going to heat up really fast uh, we're getting to that point uh, official visits will start to pick up in the early weeks of december and it looks like fresno state's going to have a little more action in the second half uh, going into february than they have in the past so going to be an intriguing deal with recruiting and we'll have that covered uh, from all angles and if uh, you are a Barkboard subscriber already and you didn't know or if you're not a subscriber and you're interested uh, we've got a new deal with 24-7 sports where all Barkboard VIP members get CBS all access included with their uh, subscription now it's a really cool deal you get uh, to stream CBS and a few of their other channels you get uh, live sports, you know, uh, uh, on-demand television. Uh, I mean, pretty cool deal, and it's all included in your uh, Barkboard subscription. Uh, we've got details on the premium board of how to take advantage of that. All you got to do is uh, basically log in to CBS, and you're set. So uh, go check that out if you haven't taken advantage already. And if you're interested, get the inside scoop on Fresno State and get that $100 CBS All Access basically free when you join. So does that mean we get that too, Jackson? It does. Oh, man. All right. 
<laughs> Jackson just made my day. So, um, but that being said, if anybody is uh, looking for us, you can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. You can also head over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Um, and as always, you can always find us at the boards, so you can send us a message there as well. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening and join us back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. 